Mike Crawford here, Young Jerks. We're in a new studio, new time, new day, a lot of new things happening. Uh, we're now broadcasting in Somerville, Massachusetts. We've been gone uh, for a little while from doing the live shows, just getting uh, set up for a new studio. Our first time having a permanent studio in quite some time, over a year, so we're really happy. This is big news for us. It looks a little Spartan over here, but uh, we're happy. We're in Somerville. We got we got a spot in Somerville. Young Jerks now broadcasting from Somerville. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be on Sundays, it looks like, Sunday evenings. Who knows? That could change. Let us know. We've been doing Saturdays for so long. It's like a culture shock for me to have a bunch of Saturdays off. We took some time off, but now we're on Sundays, which is strange. I'm not sure if we're definitely going to do this, but for right now, we are. Let us know. Do you like Saturdays or Sundays or which day of the week? We're also podcasting all the time. Even when we're away, we still do work. We're, we're doing work on Midnight Mass, uh, Substack, midnightmass.substack.com. You can subscribe there. A lot of our uh, material goes up there. We're planning a lot more there. But uh, we've been podcasting quite a bit on the Young Jerks podcast, uh, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, all the usual places. Please review us on iTunes especially. We're getting a lot of bumps from that. We really appreciate everyone who has reviewed us. That's the number one thing. Even more than money and sharing is right now review us on iTunes because that's been getting us a lot of listeners and helping us create a lot more content, which we've been doing. Uh, today we have a live show. We've got a couple guests here. Uh, of course, all of our live shows also go on the podcast. You'll see them there. But the podcast offers you more than the live show. It offers you extra content too. Uh, that we record during the week. I don't know if I'm getting a little feedback. Is anyone else hearing that in their headphones? Just me? I think it was maybe the fan. I don't know. I think it was actually no. someone outside. outside. But no, yeah. no, no, not that. It's like a, a reverb. I don't know. It's weird. But uh, I'll, I'll deal with it. I guess it's just me. No one else hears it. Yeah, so like who cares? Uh, I always complain. <laughs> but it's a new studio. We got a lot to, to go. Out. Now I'm hanging myself by my headphones. <laughs> just take them off. So... Uh, phone number is 617-702-2542 if you want to see me put put back on the headphones so <laughs> I can take your call. We'll do that as well. Uh, we have guests in studio, though. I should definitely mention that. Um, but we're going to talk about a lot of the podcast material that we've been posting, uh, some of the stuff going on in cannabis this week. Uh, but open lines today. Anyone wants to call in about anything because we've been away. 617-702-2542 is our new phone number, and you'll probably get right through. There's been weeks when people always complain they can't get through because there's too many calls. Well, we have a brand new phone number, so that means most people don't know our number. You're going to get right through today. So if you got something to say, if you're a troll of mine, this is your <laughs> opportunity. You're going to get right through. Easy for you to get through today. Maybe we'll talk about Mascan, too. There's a story about Mascan in turmoil. Oh, yeah. Uh, so much to talk about. Let's get to our guests. They're sitting here patiently. I'm getting all my other stuff today. But uh, Grant Smith, who uh, now works with us uh, on Midnight Mass, he's been a big supporter of the show, caller, listener, uh, sometimes co-host, sometimes guest. He's been all over the show, a big supporter of ours. And now you're actually, I owe you some money today. I'm going to give you some cash, yeah. hopefully, and uh, for writing for Midnight Mass, midnightmass.substack.com. And you're one of the biggest uh, patient advocates in the state, in my opinion. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. That's really kind, Mike. And I try to play whatever role is needed. And I think we've been doing some excellent work recently. Although separate from that, there's also been some 
excellent opportunities for advocacy over the past couple weeks and I know we'll get a chance to get into that too so I'm very excited excellent and sitting next to you is another advocate uh, he's also an applicant uh, for a, can a recreational cannabis dispensary in the city of Boston? Dispensary and cultivation facility. And cultivation. <laughs> yeah. And where is that located? Is that Mattapan? Mattapan. And uh, the first time I met you was, uh, do you remember? No. You, maybe Remi you don't remind remember. Me. Remind you don't me. remember who I was. <laughs> Re remind me. You know, I, I, have <laughs> I don't think we're even going to talk about that today. We'll talk about it offline after. Oh, really? It was that bad, huh? No, it wasn't. Nothing wasn't bad. It, I, was I just don't want to like. Or something like I that. just, you know, it's one of those things. It's like we have so limited time. I don't want to have to spend a half hour on somebody else that we're yeah. not intended even to get into uh, today. But, you know. Yeah, I must have looked that. Unless really, you want to go there. Unless I, I must have looked really, yeah, really man. bad. I must no, have been. no, no. You just <laughs> struck me as someone who was very passionate right on that moment. And I, oh. I talked to you a little bit after Wids. And uh, then I saw you testify at around Cambridge and at the CCC. And I was very impressed. Oh, well, thank you. Thank and you. by your story, too. So uh, you're uh, an applicant in Mattapan. Yes, applicant. Um, our company has an a economic empowerment application or certification. And also we, um, or I am a, a social equity applicant. So born and raised in Boston, just trying to get our, our establishment off the ground. And, and, um, and so I tend to be a bit of a, a you know, vocal advocate for myself and others. Excellent. And um, again, our phone number is 617-702-2542 is the phone number. Uh, we're speaking of Chauncey Spencer as a guest and Grant Smith as well. Uh, we may take a phone call later, too, from Tanya Son about her uh, medical situation. Uh, we did a podcast on her. I want to mention all, a lot of the podcast content we put out recently um, and open it up if anyone wants to comment on any of them. Uh, Cambridge, uh, Economic, uh, Cambridge Cannabis Economic Empowerment was one of our recent podcasts. Uh, it was all testimony. Uh, we've actually done two of those recently over the last month, but one this week uh, with Grant Smith in it. Uh, you were both in the other, the first uh, episode of that, so to speak. Uh, it's basically public testimony from Cambridge. It's very contentious. Uh, I want to talk about that today. Uh, there's very. also a podcast we put out called Mass Family Fighting Medical Cannabis Eviction, which is an ongoing story. And, uh, you know, a lot of, there was a story uh, covering that, the same subject matter, the same person, same family. Uh, mass live and a lot of the comments were negative to the family saying you smoked you broke the lease you have no rights you're you know but but even people who are pro cannabis um, but when you dig deeper and look into the situation and which we did in this episode and you can hear uh, from the wife uh, it's a, um, a, a wife and a husband a husband and wife who are both medical cannabis patients uh, they have a real need for it they're elderly they've been living in the same paying the same landlord for 20 years uh there's a lot of reasons and some of them are mentioned in the podcast and some aren't actually uh maybe that's because of legal uh reasons but i believe they might actually overturn this conviction uh eviction uh and they may you know win the case and uh we're hoping that they do but a lot of people are facing similar situations and i think unfortunately most people don't go the route that this family is, is which is fighting the eviction and by fighting it right away they they get to extend their stay uh it, it, it you know make sure that they don't get evicted right away so it gives them more leeway more time but it also allows them to do discovery uh and this landlord may not like the discovery especially when you're dealing with two medical patients mm. and you may have treated them differently 
than other people in the complex. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a lot of details. When, when you look at these situations, the landlords often don't follow the law. Yeah. And they don't know the law. And they don't care about the law. They just want you out of there because they want to put someone in that will pay more rent. Yep, absolutely. So uh, they're using this to get rid of them, I feel. And uh, I think that the court may find differently. And the reason I'm bringing this up is people need to listen to that podcast, especially if you're facing eviction or you know someone is, or you're worried about it because there's a new smoking rule, which a lot of uh, landlords passed after legalization. They didn't care about tobacco smoking for years, mm. but as soon as legalization got passed, they all passed new ordinances or new rules in the leases and the condo associations that said you can't smoke tobacco or cannabis or anything. Uh, so the, the, this is coming up and it's you know becoming a big issue. And I think if you are in that situation, you should definitely listen to that podcast because there's a lot of good information on what to do and how you might be able to win this and you know what your strategy even before it happens if you're just even worried about it ever happening to you because i'll tell you something i am you know and i, and I don't even rent anymore it? i'm just in a condo you know i go ahead what city is it uh oh i know what it is agawam yeah oh, agawam massachusetts mm. way out west so yeah, no. this is happening all over the state. If anyone wants to call in about eviction, about cannabis, uh, we also had another story about a, um, another landlord, a Malden Lord. Uh, this is a podcast. Malden Landlord faces opposition to 50% rent increase. That got a lot of listens, a lot of uh, uh, shares on social media. Uh, uh, City Life Vida Urbana was the leading group on that uh, protest in Malden, and, and it got a lot of press. A lot of people showed up. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that, you know, in that case because the mayor of Malden, when I spoke to him and even some of the things he might have said off the record, I got the uh, opinion that he was really pissed at this landlord. Christensen is the mayor yes. of Malden? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I feel like uh, when you hear that the landlord has bought 800 properties in Malden and basically monopolized and the people who are looking at a 50% rent increase on the lease – when they look at other apartments in Malden, they're all owned by the same person, mm. charging the same rent. Mm. And when they brought it to him, when they finally had the meeting with him and they brought that to his attention, he said, no, these are uh, like one or two other guys who are doing the same thing. That makes it better. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not just one of us. It's like two or three of us working together to oh, buy yeah. up every property in Malden that people can rent on and then increase the, the rent by double. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. Shameful. Shameful. So you guys want to, uh, I mean, all right. Well, I, mean, I, 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 tend, I, I haven't rented in a very long time, I'm ashamed to say, other than for a commercial space. Um, but I, I was a, a, a landlord and, and I kept my rent very, very, very low, maybe $1,200 in the city of Boston. So, um, you know, I, I, it takes a lot of courage for, for a landlord to, to, uh, to raise the rent, but to, it takes a lot of um, uh, lack of, of empathy to, to to increase it by 50%, you know? And the, 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 the balls on somebody to do something like that is insane, and then do it across the entire city, you know? Um, but I don't know the guy. I, I don't know if, um, I, don't, I don't know the entire the details of the situation, but it, that's insane, <laughs> to say the least. You know? It's the monopolization factor. Uh, I think you actually had, um, what was his name from Somerville? Uh, you had a guest on about a month ago, Mike, uh, Ben, who worked. Ben Simon? Uh, maybe not Ben Simon. He was um, 
an activist that works uh, with ho fair housing, especially for immigrants in Somerville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my God. Oh, it's it slipping. But he was an excellent guest, and part of the point he was making... Ben, ben Echever. Yes, exactly. And the point he was making was that it's really the centralization of ownership, the consolidation of ownership, like Chauncey was kind of talking about, where when you only have one or two people controlling such large swaths of property, it's inevitable that they're going to end up raising prices. And it's one of the fallacies of free market ideology, which is that if you just let people be ruthless and consolidate, they'll offer somehow a better service. And it's just not the reality. They raise rates by 50% rent if they can. And so it's important municipalities take steps to prevent that kind Do of consolidation. Do you think rent control? Do you think that's something you'd support? Rent control? Um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I, well, especially if you're you're uh, um, offering uh, units to uh, subsidize um, or to uh, uh, people who are receiving subsidies, um, that's definitely uh, um, something to think about. But I think that they may actually have that built into the law. Um, but uh, uh, just rent control in general, just anything to keep the prices uh, reasonable. Because if you're paying more than thirty percent of your income, I, I you know, I, the, the, yeah, exactly. I, I think there has to be a limit on how much you can increase rent. Like, mm. you can't say 50%. Like, that's just too much. Like, yeah. I haven't heard anyone say, you know what, 50%, that's like just the cost of living, man. You just mm. got to, you know, I haven't mm. heard anyone say that. Like, I, you know, 5%, 10% maybe, I 50? Would, I would that's think, what I, I think that there should be some type of limit on that. That's, mm. that's my thing. I, you know, because I, I think there's a lot of... Uh, misconceptions on how rent control would work today compared to how it used to work and people want to make improvements on what didn't work in the past and make sure there aren't abuses but i think it's very easy to say you can't increase 50 percent like that's not a bureaucracy that's not rigging the market that's not uh rich people getting away with rent controls you know places yeah. which people were upset about just say hey you know what the most you can increase it is 10 percent like why not put a cap on it? Just like we do with the credit card companies. Yeah. Credit card companies, uh, the federal government limits how much they can actually charge you. That's why credit cards aren't supposed to charge you 100%. That's why you see these payday lenders and other mm -hmm. ones trying to skirt it and get around it. And mm -hmm. even that gets cracked down on. But, you know, Visa and MasterCard, 30%, I believe, is really like their absolute limit by and law. That's still a loan shot. It is a lot. It is a lot. I feel like it's yeah. too much. But you know what? It's not 50 Right? I no, mean, I'd be <laughs> happy with 30 at this point compared to 50. Oh, God. Yeah, 30% is like a, um, it's like what these guys are asking in the uh, cannabis industry. I know, right? You know, For um, business loans. Oh, yeah. 30% yeah. and percentages of your Let's your talk about that, too, because you guys are here. You're both cannabis experts. A lot of people want to talk about cannabis. We've been talking about uh, the other podcasts. Any of these podcasts you want to call in about today, though, we'll take calls on them. But cannabis, what? Uh, because we just had a hearing in Cambridge again. We had uh, two hearings this week with the Cannabis Control Commission about their draft regulations. Boston is still ongoing where you're an applicant. Can you give us a quick update, Chauncey, on you know, Boston specifically, but uh, you know, those other, other places as well and how it affects you and everyone else? Well, Boston um, is a unique place. We have a, uh, a buffer rule, meaning that we can only have uh, one within a half mile radius of one another. So that creates its own tension. And I guess that's causing some, some uh, um, uh, problems in the uh, uh, city council because the city council wants to make sure that that buffer rule stays in place. However, people who are operating on the ground, like myself, or from the community, don't particularly like that buffer because we can't get in. And um, not that that's just the only um, issue. 
Yeah, it's not the only obstacle. Of course, there's capital and, and um, the, the politics of it all. But um, that buffer rule is causing an issue between the mayor and city council because the, I guess the mayor is has um, has issued a couple um, of uh, uh, what they call HCAs, the host community agreements. Those are the, the coveted you know agreements that people will have uh, get from the um, from the city, and that allows them to open a dispensary. And he had given two within the buffer zone, with two within that same uh, half mile radius. And that caused a problem when they got to zoning. So when they arrived at zoning, they ended up um, calling the two dispensaries up for um, review. The first one uh, went past and the second one did not because it, it fell within that buffer. And that seemed to be, well, that, that stirred up a few of the, the, the city councilors because um, or yeah, at least one of them because which uh, ones? Uh, I think it was a Lydia Edwards, and she had a, a bit of an issue with with that because she wanted the hometown um, uh, uh, dispensary to to go through to pass. However, um, it ended up being the out of state or or you know um, could have been out of state, like out of the country, could have been God knows where you know from the moon. Um, that yeah. one ended up going through, and she was very very uh, upset about that. And um, so they asked for some clarity from the from the uh, uh, um, from the, the mayor's office and the and zoning, and the uh, yeah. ZBA there. Yeah, well, they the the the, um, the city council had asked for clarity from right. the mayor's office about you know what's going on. Like, are, are you respecting these buffers? And um, that caused a big um, issue in ZBA because um, turns out that they their commission had expired. Um, the ZB, the, bon the zone, ZBA is a um, zoning board. Their commission had expired and uh, they need to be reappointed by the mayor and confirmed by city council. So they said, whoa, 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 we're not going to confirm anybody until you explain what the situation is um, with these buffers. Are you going to respect the buffer rule or not? So, of course, um, they clarified that. So I guess the ZBA is now moving forward with uh, doing all their, their uh, ZBA stuff and... and um, and so but didn't they clarify that they are going to fall in the buffer zone? Is that how they? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's what good, I good. thought. But I hope so. You know, what's very interesting is it was about the measurements, too. Like the mayor thought mm. that they were fine, and then other measurements turned out that they weren't fine. Mm. And it's just so funny because I remember when they passed mm. this buffer zone, the half-mile buffer zone, mm. and I predicted this. And I told them, what are you doing? Yeah. And I called uh, the sponsor of the bill who was a city council named Michael Flaherty. He's still there now. And I looked at his uh, cannabis contributions and he was, this is a gentleman who was against cannabis, decrim, medical, legal. Michael Flaherty has always been against cannabis, right? Um, but all of a sudden he wants a buffer zone, which would seem to favor the existing dispensaries that are open, namely Patriot Care. So I looked up his contributions and he had over, you know, a dozen contributions from big cannabis including people from Patriot Care. So I called up Michael Flaherty and called his aide and told him what was up and I needed to talk to him. And Flaherty called me back that night and we had a 25-minute uh, conversation on the phone. And City Councilor Flaherty responded, Mike, uh, what does a dozen contributions mean to me when I have thousands of contributions? Mm. <laughs> and I just looked at it and was like, you know, he's kind of right, but at the same time, like, Look how much money this city councilor has in his account, his campaign account. Look how many contributions he actually has. There are thousands, mm. thousands. Why does a city councilor need 
thousands of contribution. Well, the funny thing, you and why, why? I mean, and and why did he choose us? Like, he, you know, he, I gotta add to this before I go back to you, Chauncey. He, you know, he he stated that he didn't want another combat zone. He didn't want all the cannabis shops to be downtown in one spot or Back Bay. Just have an isolated, you know, or or uh, central location where everyone's located, mm-hmm. like the combat zone happened, which I can see some rationale. But he went; it goes too far. Half mile? Why not say you can have th- three within a half mile? That's yeah. not going to create a combat zone or different types or of two. establishments. Yeah, uh, like, like sold different products or, or have some on. input from the actual cannabis community and not just the big company that gave you money. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and then Mayor Walsh jumped on board, and the City Council they passed this. I want to make sure everyone knows the Boston City Council. Lydia Edwards wasn't on the City Council then, but they passed this. It was back when uh, you know, a couple years ago. You know, Tito Jackson was still on the board. Ayanna Presley was still on the City Council. That's when it happened. Mm. So that's when it happened. Um, I'm not sure if Tito voted for it. I don't think he did. I don't think Ayanna did either. But I know Mr. Flaherty supported it. I know that some of those other men who were either already gone or on the way out voted for it. Mm -hmm. And I know that uh, Mayor Walsh, he wanted it. He wanted Mm -hmm. it. And he got it. And now look what it's doing. It's it's, uh, a problem. And I I don't think that they foresaw what, you know, because they're not exact. They don't understand cannabis. They don't understand um, all these things. So they're they're learning also. But, um, but. You know, when we talk about the contributions, you know, it's not just cash that they're receiving. They're also receiving um, assistance from some of these lobbyists and they help with their campaigns. Right. And so it's a it's a strange There's a lot of money that I don't even see. Exactly. Uh, we got a phone call we're going to take. And we're going to go back to that because that's a very good point. Chauncey, mm-hmm. you you hit it on the hit it on the head. Who's on the phone here? Tanya Sanders and Sherry Tutchett, your favorite green nurses. Oh, hey, we, we got kind of a, uh, a, a really loud, weird connection. We, we get a lot of feedback, and we can't hear you that well. Okay, we'll call you right back. Okay, thank you. Okay. Murph, can you get rid of that? All right. <laughs> All right, uh, phone number five, uh, 617-702-2542. It's not the... It's not the you guys hear that, right? Um, nope. No. The headphones are just a little loud. Yeah. 617-702-2542 is our phone number. We may take calls. I don't know. We're, we're hoping to, uh, to speak to uh, Sherry and, and Tanya about what they're, the situation they're going through. But I think we're going to take a break now, right now. I'm like about to pass out if we don't get that air that hand <laughs> back on. I don't want you guys. But, uh, and, and the headphone thing is bugging the crap out of me. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's too bad. Um, but, uh, we, so go back to what you were saying, Chauncey. Yeah, so, um, you know, they, they don't just take uh, uh, cash contributions from, from a lot of these lobbyists. These lobbyists help them with, with um, uh, uh, assistance with their, their campaigns. And that's, was, that w- that's exactly what was going on prior to this. And uh, right around that, actually right around the same time or before that, I'm not sure, but that they had this one story in, um, in the Globe, the uh, uh, Spotlight piece. Um, and one of the gentlemen in there, I guess his name was uh, Frank Perullo. He is a, a, you know, a big lobbyist and he's been working in, in, the, uh, in the political arena for many years. And he has been uh, working for cannabis companies all over across the state, you know, helping. He has, I guess he has hands in 
in getting um, numerous um, dispensaries up, up and off the ground. And he apparently um, had recruited several other city council folks that he had actually um, worked for and his company had worked for, helping them with the, their campaigns. So he recruited them into, into the cannabis space also. So there's that, that, that uh, uh, you know, revolving door-ish type of situation where he may be, or a, comp- or a lobbyist may receive capital from, from, or assistance from, or financial assistance from a, um, from, uh, uh, or a lobbyist may receive it from a, uh, a company, get capital from them, and use the politicians to, you know, make their, uh, do their magic, you know, their, their magic within the, uh, the city council or whatever, you know, whatever the body is, and then work for that same company. And, it, and so it's, it's a very strange, you know, web of, of uh, um, you know, the same partners, you know, it's like, you help me with my campaign, then when I'm out, I will stop working for you and right. your company. And, the revolving and door. Yeah, yeah. And I want to call there it a revolving door, but it's strange. whole thing, too, where lobbyists will hold uh, campaign fundraisers. Oh, there's that. There's for, that. For campaigns, I've seen that happen a lot. I haven't seen, I haven't seen it yet, but, but I'm sure. Obviously. Well, Dan Delaney's yeah. held some campaign fundraisers. He's mm-hmm. a lobbyist. He was a lobbyist for Patriot Care. But the oh, problem is he that... Didn't, oh, is that the one that was... Oh, I'm sorry. That, that's the one that was... Um, wasn't, wasn't he convicted for... Was no, that the one? Or that, or that somebody else? He's oh, pretty no. clean yeah. in that way. But, that, <laughs> but yeah. it speaks to a larger problem on two levels, which is first, uh, the, it is kind of a revolving door because these webs that these spiders weave, for example, the Commonwealth Dispensary Association, which is the lobbying firm for the uh, existing uh, RMDs <laughs> and big cannabis, is run by a f- uh, the executive director is a former state rep. Hmm. And, and so that's a microcosm. And then... The other element of this is that what's interesting is how our government approaches oversight of these in-kind contributions you're talking about. Because last year, Mike uh, had Senator Jalen, uh, Pat Jalen, on the program, who was the co-chair at the time of the Cannabis uh, Committee in, on the state level from the Senate. And I asked her a direct question. I called in and asked and said, well, don't you think that the influx of monetary resources and this overlap and conflict of interest basically amounts to regulatory capture for these wealthy groups and she said well in a at a certain degree in a certain uh, uh, context sure but also this is a democracy and if you make money in a democracy you can use it to influence the democracy Mm -hmm. and so that kind of passe laissez-faire attitude Mm -hmm. no pun intended really worries me because we need regulatory oversight of those kind of in-kind contributions or we will lose this democracy to those wealthy groups and it will become a fascist totalitarian dictatorship which i think we're seeing the seeds of in many ways right now no certainly certainly uh uh, oligarchy (laughs) we know that much very true yeah and and um we do have the uh um well say say for instance in my situation i had a um a rep who will remain nameless at this point um, come and challenge me at my outreach meeting you know make up a, you know a series of lies about about something that occurred can, can we just uh, explain for those who might be new what a community oh. outreach meeting uh, is uh, a community outreach meeting is uh, something that a uh, uh, establishment has to do um, they go to the community uh, go to a um, say a hall or something and and present their business plan and their business plan will include um, several different topics about their, you know, so, so several different um, 
although it's explain their structure, what they're going to sell, how they're going to sell it to hours of operation, and, um, and who they are, and uh, present that to the community. And so the community will show up and ask questions, and you're, you're supposed to, to uh, answer the questions the best you can. And so I had a state rep who wasn't even in that district come to me and, you know, or actually uh, uh, yell out to, and to the crowd and say, he didn't do this and he didn't submit his security plan. You know, I asked him, I, I, I said, oh my God, like, well, where's this guy coming from? Come to find out that he ended up being, he was hosting outreach meetings for other dispensaries in the area. And this is going on right now. You know, He's a state rep right now. Sitting state rep. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah. So he was trying to off the record. He <laughs> was trying to sabotage your. I have a, I have a couple of suspicions. I want to throw names out there, but yeah, yeah. You don't want to say who it is. Um, no, no, because um, <laughs> you'll tell me <laughs> after the show. Yeah, after the show. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, back to the politicians. We we started off on the the buffer zone, the city council, and Grant, what you did is you asked some questions. Um, have people been at because this buffer zone thing? They created it. The city council and the mayor created it. Now there's a problem. They want the ZBA to bail them out, and the ZBA says, "We can't. We like we're you set the rules. We inf- we tell you we do what the city council and the mayor told us to do. Mm-hmm. They have an opportunity to fix it and change it. Get rid of the half mile buffer zone. Yeah. Have you heard? Like uh, Lydia Edwards brought it up. Has she talked about banning it? Like because I've been asking even candidates for city council, and they don't seem to have a will to overturn this and it seems like any of the business applicants anyone in the community even the residents of boston think it's crazy that we have this half mile buffer zone that gave big cannabis a head start that gave patriot care a monopoly downtown in boston do you hear from them have you asked them as they are any city councils on the record on this wanting to overturn the ban i i don't believe any are are advocating for um uh a removal of the ban, and I think that some are opposed to it. Mm. I definitely know that that Lydia Edwards expressed um, opposition to, to um, removing the ban, but that was last. She, she, she supports overturning it. No, she's a, a opposed to. Overturning she's a, she's opposed. She's Lydia opposed. Edwards is opposed yes. to. So she's basically fa- favoring Goldman Sachs, mm. cannabis, got mm. a bunch of white guys from Goldman Sachs, Wall Street, over people of color, getting I, in to this industry and, put, and and basically that's what she's favoring if you put it like that she i i think that she probably has not um i i don't know if they've put enough dispensaries or applications in in her area to for her to recognize what the issue is what the issue is people and, need and to call them the, now yeah yeah uh, people know. haven't been talking to them then i mean this is what drives me crazy it's like it's so obvious what the issue is i when i first met you you, you, you know, we talked after. I don't even think you knew who I was. And that's what I brought up. I said, the, you know, the situation you're running into right now is they're pitting people of color against each other in the same economic area mm-hmm. based, on, you know, on this half-mile buffer zone. Who yeah. gets there first? Yeah. And who's going to get there first? It's going to be the one that's the most connected with the most money. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and whether even that comes into play, it looks like that. Mm-hmm. You and know, and they just the, the, the oppression. Optics, the, the, the optics, optics are, are terrible. Are terrible and so they and need to know. get their shit together. I just don't get this, why it's not being talked about. We have a phone call. We'll see if we can uh, get the phone lines working today. Maybe this is uh, Tanya and Sherry. Who's Sherry? Excuse me. Who is this? Hi. Hi. Who is it? Is it Sherry? Hey, yes, it's Sherry and Tanya. Oh, you sound much and better I'm now. I'm like losing my crap today. It's hot. Very hot. 
hot and sticky yep. and a lot of grumpy people out there today. I'm one of them. <laughs> I am one of them today. <laughs> For no reason. There's no good reason. You know, I, you know what it is? I'm too tired. I work too much and uh, I finally got some sleep today. But you wake up and you're like, oh, I got to go do a show now. Hmm. Yeah, you want to go back to bed, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do for once. But, you know, yeah. and, I, and I don't want to let people down, you know. So you, you, there's like this always internal thing going on with me. It's all about me today. So but, but what are you calling in? Because you, you got real stuff. This is just BS that I'm talking about. I'm an idiot. No, you're not. Well, sometimes all. I am. Your Believe your me. Talk to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to give us her number. We'll, uh, <laughs> no. we'll, do, we'll do a little PR investigating. <laughs> She'll do some but PR investigation. She'll have more material. She'll find stuff yeah. on it. So uh, yeah, tell, we'll do it tell us about what's really going on, like real important stuff, not me. <laughs> okay, real important stuff. We have a woman here, Tanya Sanders. She's a registered nurse. She's a green nurse, which means she's a cannabis nurse. She's also a medical cannabis patient from Ohio, and she is a medical refugee here in Massachusetts being healed by the cannabis community, and I wanna, which is absolutely I want to put one break on that because uh, okay. you're awesome all the time. I, I don't even want to break in, but I just want to uh, – people may have already heard some of this this week. Uh, we put a podcast out called Ma- um, Mass is My Medical Cannabis Sanctuary with Sherry, uh, with Sherry, the nurse that we're speaking to right now from Green Nurse Group, as well as Tanya. So you can also listen to that, get much more background. Uh, Tanya gets really de- you know, in-depth into what uh, is going on. Uh, people, some people may have already heard that this week, and it was an awesome podcast. A lot of people liked it, and I want to thank you, uh, Sherry, for doing that with us. Absolutely. It's important to get the message out because the, the message with Tanya right now, and, and she'll talk a little bit about what's going on with her as well, is that A, she wasn't able to get what she needs in Ohio for cannabis. B, she can't get what she needs here in the dispensaries because they won't take her medical card. But she is here an adult use recreational community that is actually supporting and embracing her medical needs and custom formulating medicines for her condition. Which is legal. Which is, just which is legal in Massachusetts legal. and not really in Ohio. And the reason why is because we have homegrown and we have gifting. So yep. she's relying on homegrown medicine, whether it's from the medical program or the recreational. Uh, you know, people are legally able to grow a small amount at their homes. And they're able to gift it to patients like Tanya, and it makes a big difference here in Massachusetts, right? Yes, it makes a huge difference because, you know, dispensaries are great, but sometimes you can't get what you need. And we rely on those caregivers with those small grows that create different medicines and strains and combination of terpenes and cannabinoids to really create something that's special for individual patients' needs. So it's not like a lot of times dispensaries it's okay it's just the way it is one size fits all for the dispensaries when we're talking about patients needs it's more specific it's different and it's a journey and so finding what works for them we you need to have reliable source of caregivers that are willing to make that medicine um, and so that's why we're really really lucky here in massachusetts the next hurdle that we have with tanya is um she needs to be admitted to boston medical center tomorrow Um, She's here. She has advanced stage lupus. So we've got her cannabis under control, managing her in a way that is keeping her together. Her lab results on paper look perfect, but her symptoms don't match how she looks on paper. 
So they're very nervous to do any further feeding in the home. So she has a special catheter in her chest that goes into one of the largest blood vessels, her superior vena cava, which leads right into her heart. And that's giving her IV hydration and vitamins, but she needs to get macronutrients, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. She cannot eat them. So she must be hospitalized to start that process inpatient so they can watch her closely. Because hemodynamically, our bodies are meant to consume fats, proteins, and carbohydrates through our gut. She can't do that. So now we have to feed her in a different way. And it's, and it's, it's, it's an invasion of her system, just getting something different. And advanced stage lupus patients in general, their body sees everything as foreign and rejects it. So that's what's going on with her. The cannabis is the glue that's keeping her together. She needs to be admitted. We found Boston Medical Center. We found an endocrinologist, a gastroenterologist that's willing to take her case. So we have an appointment tomorrow afternoon at 3.30, and then they're going to direct admit her to the hospital. The concern that we have is that Boston Medical Center is smoke-free, cannabis-free, and we need Tanya to get in there, and she needs to be able to medicate because... People, people have been asking, oh, well, why can't you give her the oils or the tinctures? Well, in order for her to get the oils and the tinctures into her body, she must smoke first. Mm. She has five minutes from the time mm. she smokes until she's able to get in the Rick Simpson oil, the tinctures, mm. the capsules, and all of the other things that she needs that's keeping her together. Va- vaping isn't so good? Wanna... Is vaping not good enough? It's just smoking that would get her? She needs to dab or smoke. Okay. And she needs really, really high concentrations of um, THC. Yep. And basically, I mean, like literally, it, the amount of THC that she needs is incredible. Like I literally, get it. it's I incredible. Get it. I get it. Um, when, and I've t- we've talked to her, and we already know, I think uh, uh, our audience knows, I think when we're talking to patients, what it means. Um, is the hospital, like in this situation, I think... Uh, most people common sense would think well the hospital doesn't want you smoking up in your hospital room but you know i've seen some patients they push them to the roof or or an outside area where they could smoke is there any accommodation like that going to be offered is there well well, what we're going to try so for tomorrow so i'm going to really work with these doctors and teach and educate them because one of the things that's really important for them to understand is tanya does not make any of her own internal endogenous cannabinoids anymore she makes none so cannab cannabinous and the cannabinoids is just like insulin to her right so the diabetic that has type 1 diabetes does not make insulin and they require insulin to survive tanya makes none of her own um cannabinoids at all so she's being fully replaced with the cannabis plant and the fear is that if she doesn't get it she's going to unravel at the seams so that's, that's one piece of it. The other thing we were thinking of doing was having um, <laughs> a group of people that would, that would be interested. We're going to try this tomorrow night. We're going to drive up, a, a couple of us ladies, and we're going to pick her up at the hospital and go for a spin around the block and have her be able to smoke yeah. and meditate appropriately and then bring her back to the hospital. Awesome. You yeah. know, we're trying to be creative, and we're also getting her on a schedule so the schedule that we've pretty much gotten her on is morning, afternoon, and bedtime. There you go. So she has to smoke three times a day, so smoking or dabbing. So she can go eat. Go ahead. That makes sense. So she, so can, she can eat. eat. Yeah, yep. the, uh, I understand that these um, these doctors do not want 
maybe like in an open flame in in the the, the um, hospital the, the hospital yeah. because of you know they have, they have oxygen gases. and, and <laughs> yeah they'll yeah, oh, so yeah. it's it's um it's a tough it's situation. Just getting it outside. That's we. But the problem too is people are like, well, maybe you shouldn't tell them. I'm like, no. This is an opportunity for education. Definitely. Number one. Number two. I'm not just fighting for Tanya, but I'm fighting for myself and all other patients right. because there's so many people out there. I mean, I'm off of so many medications that I'm scared that if I ever had to be hospitalized. So I'm kind of doing a trial run with Tanya, kind of working through the kinks. So we can continue to help patients get what they need in the hospitals if they have to be admitted. Trying to make a statement. Yeah, so I'm going to let Tanya speak. Here she is. Here's my girl. Oh, it's okay. She's, I mean, she summarized everything that I'm going through. It's just a very scary thing, you know. I'm going into a hospital. I don't want any of the pharmaceuticals. I just need their TPN. You know, I just need the nutrition part of it. But if they take the cannabis away, then I have nothing else and I, I will lose my mind. Like literally lose my when mind you say because pharmaceuticals go ahead go when ahead you say tpn that that's the uh, feeding tube what is that yeah so tpn is called total parental nutrition and that's iv nutrition so what she's getting now is iv hydration so intravenous hydration with vitamins which are micronutrients so what they're going to initiate is total parental nutrition which includes macronutrients macronutrients are the proteins fats and carbohydrates plus the added micronutrients so she's going to be getting real food through her vein where she hasn't gotten that in the past 10 months that's because she was in ohio so scared about yeah what was that what, and that's because that? you were in ohio and and you didn't have access to cannabis and you were having a yeah. feeding feeding tube issue as well right yep i have a feeding tube but i can't use it either now because of my leaky gut so as soon as, you know, I get the TPN and my nutrition built back up, then I got to get the metal out of my feet before I can heal up my leaky gut. So this TPN, the nutrition through my veins is going to be for a long time until I get my, the metal and everything out of my feet. So it's a whole process, but I mean. So they're thinking that um, basically the, the problem, the creation of her lupus may have been initiated by heavy metal poisoning. She had to have plates put in her feet in what year? 2003 or 5. 2003 or 2005, but three years later is when she developed lupus. So the metal had time to sit in there and cook in her body mm. and start to leach into her system, which wreaked havoc with her immune system, which caused the autoimmune. A lot of autoimmune conditions now, studies are coming out that a lot of it is related to heavy metal poisoning, yeah. whether it be from a tooth implant or gentle fillings. We go to the doctors thinking they're going to heal us and then they put implants into us and yeah. they poison us. That, I, that, that's like yeah. one of my biggest fears actually. And I've seen it happen to other people, family members and other different situations with different things, but I'm not even going to get into it because it's personal, but yeah, it's scary. this stuff does happen. I know it does. Um, Sherry, yeah, it it's, sure it's Grant. I have a question for you guys. Have, um, have either of you ever heard of uh, portable dabbing mechanisms? A portable dabbing. Well, I have a, I have a, um, a space cannon, which is great, but it's a little big. Mm -hmm. um, we got um, Pete and Helen from New York came to visit Tanya today, and they brought her uh, a smaller dab pen. Mm -hmm. um, so we're hoping that works. Yeah, we're hoping that you know they're going to be letting me use that in there at least, or outside even mm -hmm. use the dab pen outside. I'm not, you know, what I mean, I don't want the pharmaceuticals. But if they take the cannabis away, 
they're going to either, I mean, this is sad to say, they're going to have to put me in a coma, basically, to get me to start my TPN. It's either a coma or let me use my cannabis. Their choice. Well, some and she's not kidding. <laughs> some, uh, if, they, if they do take away your cannabis, I would definitely film it all. Put it on you, you yep. know, Facebook, YouTube, all your social networks. We'll share it. And I mean, I think that's the point when the community will start coming out and yep. harassing and I, the I crap out of that hospital and the doctors. And if that happens, we want to know who the doctors are. Like, I want to be able to call these people and say, I'm from Dig Boston. I'm an advocate. Yep. Um, you know, have a show. Our audience wants to know why you're doing this to Tanya. Like, we will call. Yeah, I'm so scared. So, I'm so scared. And that's and why I would recommend mom. doing. Like, document. If they start effing with you, document everything. Pictures, you know, get names, all, right. get all that. Yep. Video. I will. They're, yep. they're pretty. Will. They're pretty lenient over in that area. I hope um, so. So I, I don't think that they're going to give them a, a hard time. So you said uh, BMC, not. correct? Yeah. 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 Boston, Boston Medical Center. Center. I mean, we're, we're going in as professionals. We're going yeah. in as professionals, as nurses, as patients, as advocates, and we're going in and being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, because the time has come. You know what I mean? Like they need to understand that she's replaced forty medications a day. A day. That's a lot. Yeah. Right, and so if you take away the cannabis that's replaced the 40 medications, it's going to be a mess. It's a hot mess. It's like a, it's a disaster. It's a it's a time bomb, and um, and I'm hoping that they they're smart and they just listen. I mean, I'm actually they bringing are. my computer with my PowerPoint presentation. I have a PowerPoint presentation that I give in medical centers, <laughs> and I'm bringing it, you know, to show them um, what will happen to her if it's taken away. You know, and that's and, and I don't think that the professionals understand that we make compounds in our body exactly like the plant that's right you know our body recognizes it at the same and you know it works on multiple receptors all 11 organ systems our immune system and all the neurotransmitters in our body that tell our body to either do something or stop doing something it's as simple as that and it definitely helps Mm -hmm. i mean we all know this anyone dealing with any type of pain knows even beyond that too like just general people that don't know anything about cannabis know at this point that it helps with nausea that it helps you feel better It, it, it when I'm in pain a lot of times or too tired, like one of the things that always has bothered me is the stomach too. I know. And that, my stomach's been pretty damn good lately because I eat well and I walk a lot. You know, I, I'm, I take care of myself. But I've had that issue in my life. Like I'm someone that, you know, would have a couple beers, like two beers and throw up all night. Like, you know, like yeah. something wrong with my stomach at times. I don't have that strong stomach a lot of people have. And uh, it, it really affects you. And a lot of times I notice it comes with pain too. When I have a lot of pain... Yeah. My st- or, or stress or lack of sleep, my stomach doesn't feel as well. And uh, yeah, one yeah. of the things to just get over that and just to be able to eat is uh, smoke a joint. Like I know a lot of people say yeah, edibles yeah. Or, or vaporizer. That doesn't work for me either. It's, it's the old-fashioned just smoking that does it for me. Yeah. I know that a lot of people get help with other types of edibles, and, and there's a lot of people who are insane that think that all of us patients only use edibles. <laughs> well, it yeah, doesn't, edibles no. don't work for some of us, and they some of us it, they go too far. They take too long. You can uh, OD on right. them, not OD, but you know what I'm talking about. Overdo it. Yeah, overconsume. Overconsume it because it takes so long to kick in, like a pill. That's the problem with pills too. With a joint, yep. you take a hit. A minute later, you feel better. The minute later, yeah, you're yeah. ready to freaking eat. Not yeah. Yeah. wait an hour and a half and see if it works. And by that time, I've tried. I've taken every you know i overdid it and i fell asleep and i didn't even get any medicine you know i didn't eat because i fell asleep because i overdid it i mean with a joint right, you right. take a hit yeah. you're ready to eat 
Yeah, different strokes for yeah, different yeah. folks, That's you know. Everyone so should know what works. What I want to make sure about. I get that in there because I, I really get tired of uh, the ignorant people out there that think that they know what's right for every patient. And it's like, no, not one size fits all. There's so many stories. We, we hear them all. Yeah. And I totally and get I'm, I'm this. I'm really starting to educate and promote smoking, not in a way that's disrespectful to the people that are anti-smokers, right. but just to show that, you know what, this is a way that some people need to take it, and right. it's okay. When I actually did my first two social media posts with me actually smoking, right. I had some nurses say to me, oh, you know, people aren't going to take you seriously. I said, no, that's not true they are going to take me seriously when i'm showing and demonstrating something being used as medicine that's right you know it's and the big, thing is too like they difference. talk about like you know they always want to compare it to cigarettes and it's like no cigarettes yeah. are so addictive that like i know because i had the nicotine issue for a long time uh smokeless tobacco and cigarettes and you smoke 20 30 cigarettes in a day and you start coughing and feeling like crap you don't do that with a joint you no. You might, you no, know, I, you just don't. Like, it's just not the same at all. It's just not. It's just so different. You don't consume as much. It's just not the same. It's not the same to your lungs. It just, it doesn't cause the cancer they show in scientific studies. It's not even comparable. There's nothing yeah, comparable. Even, it's like, it's not even in the same, it's not in the same boat. Yeah. Everybody always wants to compare it. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to compare it to something else. You don't have that else, urge you know? to, to, to smoke another joint every 10 minutes like you do a cigarette. I swear to God, I'll smoke a cigarette. Ten minutes later, I want to smoke another one. Can I join. I don't yeah. do that. Maybe I, I'll smoke another joint just because I like the taste of it, maybe. <laughs> but you don't have that kind of, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. hunger, yeah. like you have to have it. Like it's just. Well, yeah. cannabis is also very unique because cannabis, when vaporized, isolates the cannabinoid. So if you vape cannabis flower, you'll get the THC. But if you smoke that cannabis flower, you will get the full palate. There are 65 right. active, or 64 or 5, I'm sure Sherry would know better, active cannabinoids in the plant. And you can only get those through combustion of the plant. It's very hard to vaporize and get that full effect. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. And then you're missing That's all the terps and, and whatnot, too. So, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. Everybody has to, to, to do what works for them, and, and that's, that's uh, important. And we need to make it okay, too. You know mm. what I mean? It needs to just be okay. Just, like, let it be. Yeah. Let people be. Yeah, yeah. We're you all know, out here trying to fight the stigma, wrong. you know? I love this. I want to thank you again. Uh, we have uh, make sure I make sh uh, make note of this. We have two registered nurses on the phone. Uh, one is uh, Sherry Tutkis, uh, and the other is uh, also a patient, Tanya Saunders, also ta known as Tanya Son, on uh, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, and Tanya is a patient, and both of you are actually patients. But we're talking about Tanya's situation because uh, yep. she's going to be admitted to Boston Medical Center tomorrow. We're really concerned of whether. Uh, there's going to be an issue with her continuing to be able to use cannabis while she's there. How long I, do you expect to see you know, yourself there, Tanya? Like, what are they saying? Is it going to be a couple of days, a week? They're saying, they're saying at least I have to be in there 48 hours, okay. at least. So it just depends on how my system is when I get in there because I'm going to be hooked up to, like, cardiac monitors and blood sugar tests all the time. And so... And it, it just depends if they take away my cannabis, it'll, it's going to be a shit show in there probably. So I might be in there a while. It just depends. We don't know. If, I mean, I honestly, like, just from being a nurse for as long as I have been, if she can have her c cannabis the way she's been managing it and they just let her be, she will be in and out so quick, I guarantee you. But if they start to mess with it, what they're doing is they're down-regulating her endocannabinoid system, which is going to wreak havoc with every other system in her body. 
So I might be in there two weeks. I could be in there a month. Like, as soon as they start messing with my cannabis at all, like, it's, I'm going to be a hot mess. I know it, and I'll probably be stuck in there. And, and, um... so, we're gonna, so what we're doing is we're setting the intention for everything going in the best possible way for Tanya because we're going to go in as peaceful professional. advocates, professionals, patients. You know what it. we're talking about. That's right. And we're going to set the intention that this is going to go right for her. Yeah. I hope so. I, I'm sure it will. If it doesn't, let us know. Let, uh, let, so let the will. community know. We're, we'll, we'll be ready to go. All right. Well, thank you. You guys so are much. awesome. Thank you. you. Thank you, Tanya. Thank, thank you. you so much, Sherry. Good, good luck to you. We love you. All right. We love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank, thank, thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, I really hope that turns out good for her. Absolutely. Yeah. Scary situation. This is what we do. We uh, talk about cannabis a lot, and, and not just, like, getting high and smoking weed, but, like, how it affects people. Yeah. That's why, like, we've been reading a lot of these uh, podcasts that we've done over the last couple of weeks, and, and this is what it is. It's, uh, it's just different stories about how people are still affected by this war on cannabis, whether it's, like, Chauncey trying to open up a shop. And facing all this opposition and issues and money concerns, mm -hmm. or if it's folks like uh, Tanya worried about going to the hospital, which I have concerns about. Like I always worry, like what what happens to me when I end up have to go? You know, who knows? You know, like yeah. what? I'll freak out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I can't smoke a joint today? So this this affects a lot of people. Six one seven seven zero two two five four two is the phone number if you want to weigh in. At one point, I started laughing when we were interviewing them. I don't know if anyone noticed. Uh, it wasn't about what they were talking to us about. It was about the comments online. Sometimes I read them, and they just crack me up, and I'm looking at Murphy, and it just, it's just sometimes I'm, I'm uh, what do you got, distracted mm -hmm. by other things going on. I'm interviewing someone, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sitting here laughing about, like, a really serious subject here because I'm distracted. I don't know. I, You're multitasking. I'm multitasking. I'm doing everything. Calvin Feliciano cracks me up. That's all. He always anything he writes, he just cracks me up. He posted something. Uh, he's always fun. Yeah. He's good at trolling. Six one seven seven zero two two five four two. Sir Trollalaw. We got another phone call. I bet that's him. I <laughs> guarantee you it is. <laughs> hey, what's up, Sir Trollalaw? Who's this? It is Joanna Lady J. How are you guys doing today? Oh, I was wrong. You? Thank you. Hi. Uh, Hi. I, another good call. What's up, Joanna? Well, I wanted to call about two subjects here. First of all, I wanted to commend Tanya and Sherry Tuckus for sharing Tanya's story with the community. Yes. Rallying us together, because this is a really important subject. Although federally it's, a, it's still illegal, and hospitals, especially in Boston, are teaching hospitals, they get a lot of federal funding. So the doctors there are really uncomfortable with anything to do with cannabis especially the anesthesiology team. Mm. Um, I, I really hope that Sherry can make a positive impact on them and maybe try to help educate the medical community a little more on why cannabis is such a life-saving plant. Um, and, and so, like I said, I just wanted to commend the ladies on their story and say that, you know, it, here in the community in Massachusetts, we're rallying behind you. We're here for you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. The other, thing, the other thing I wanted to talk about was I actually wanted to ask Chauncey a question. Uh, far away. Um, so like yourself, I've seen you speak at the cannabis control meeting. And um, in your personal opinion, do you feel like when we go up and speak about 
the equity applicants and, and hardship patient rights and things that, that they could do to make things better. Do you think and feel like they're actually going to, and, and are they taking us seriously when we go up there? Do you think they're listening to us? I believe that they are. Um, I believe that, that they come from a different, uh, uh, they have a different experience in their life that, that may make them process it a little slower than what they should and what we need them to. So uh, it takes a lot of, of these stories and it takes a lot of people to come forward and make that connection, make it real. And if we continue to do exactly that, I believe it, it will register with them. And it's so important for, for um, you to get your friends or people that you know that are, are struggling with these, um, these uh, the, the stigma and, and battling against the, whether it may be, um, you know, battling the politics, battling, um, you know, your neighbor, you know, your, your, your preacher, you know, because all of them are, are pushing against us in, in one way or another. And um, the, the, the commissioners need to hear this, you know, and so... Again, they come from a different, um, a different background. Some of them come from a regulatory background, so they're just all they see is regulation, and that's how they're going to come down. And that's that's how they operate, um, day in day out. So um, we got to humanize it, and so um, I, I believe that some of them definitely do. Some are a little bit more in tune than others. Some, um, I heard one um, on the elevator one day, you know, saying, "Yeah, you know, some businesses will fail." And, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't know what to say. Um, like, no, no, these businesses should not fail. Um, these are people's livelihoods. And so, and, and, and it's an industry or for a plant that, you know, usually people make a lot of money um, working with. It, these, it, there's no reason for it to fail. I haven't known a, a um, person um, selling in my neighborhood whoever went out of business right. you know, and then he would have the feds or, or God knows, you know, destroy his whole entire operation. And be back up. And be back up, you yeah. know? So this is, this is insane. So, so no, no one should fail. That's funny. It's true. It's like, like the local restaurant might fail. Like that's a hard industry to be in. Oh yeah. But uh, cannabis should not be hard, but they've made it hard. Uh, yeah. You want to weigh in on this too, uh, Grant, that question? Cause you've been to a lot of these cannabis control commissions and, uh, I know you talk to a lot of the commissioners. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think Chauncey's right on the money in that you have to remember that, so it's a five-member commission. And of the five members, four of them voted against question four in 2016. So Commissioner Flanagan, Commissioner McBride, Chairman Hoffman, and uh, Commissioner Doyle all opposed legal cannabis and thus the creation of their own position. And you have to remember that's because there's tripartite appointment authority for the CCC. Uh, Governor Baker, uh, uh, Attorney General Healy, and Deb Goldberg get to make the appointments and then from the three that they appoint, uh, they come together and appoint two more. And so Baker, Healy and Goldberg all opposed question four and Baker and Healy actually worked with Senator Jason Lewis on the campaign for a safe and healthy Massachusetts. So not only did they oppose it, they were actively trying to campaign against it. Yep. And so these are the people who got appointed. They were appointed by people who were trying to undermine the law. So when we talk about this, we have to remember that exactly as Chauncey says, getting a perspective to them that is not prohibitionist 
and that is actually rooted in the experiences of everyday people in the cannabis industry, whether they are patients, business owners, economic empowerment and social equity applicants, getting that voice in front of them, it may not result in every change that you want right away. However, they hear it. And especially when you deliver testimony in a way that's personalized to you, that is what they really connect to. Because for them, the human element of it, more so than the cannabis element, is what's driving their understanding. And so if you know that, then you know that you know the best way to get through to them. And it's a matter of continuing to do so. Excellent. Thank you, Grant. Uh, what did you... Uh, well, actually, Lady J, I want to thank you calling in. You made two great Absolutely. points, one awesome question. Uh, do you have any follow-up on their responses at all? Anything you want to leave us with? Well, I do. Um, as a patient advocate, I feel disrespected by the Cannabis Control Commission because I feel like they're focusing all of their efforts on the recreational market. Um, to regards to that, yes, I know for a fact that I have friends in this community um, that are in positions where they are um, equity applicants or just local family people trying to start a business that I've been paying for years on their warehouses with, you know, no, you know, no turn on the waiting list, you know? So I just feel like, like local people are just getting the disrespect and the shaft out of this group that we have unfortunately appointed. Um, I do want to praise Commissioner Title because she, I feel like, is very personal. And she has gone up to patients after they've spoken, and she has gone up to business people after they've spoken and said, hey, I'm on your side. This is what we're trying to do. But it seems like nobody listens. Everybody goes up there. Everybody talks about their stories and their, um, you know, their struggles, but I feel like it's a smack in the face after we hear the results after every single meeting. Yeah, I hear you. I, I feel like they don't uh, interact with us at all on the Young Jerks, even on Twitter. You'd think they'd be a little more interactive with uh, some of our tweets, even when the ones that were nasty to go after them. You'd think at this point they would at least respond to some of those, but nope. Their thing is silence, like to me. Like, that's the thing I like about Shaleen. You may not agree with her on everything, and sometimes there are even things I don't agree with her on, but she will respond. She will uh, respect, you know, it, it, especially if you're coming at her, you know, coming to her with some sort of respect. You know what I mean? So absolutely. And that's I'm always willing to give people respect when they when they come back at us or come to us. You know, like the worst thing you can do is ignore. And that's that's what I feel like. I feel like it's silence unless you show up at a meeting and you give testimony. And you know what? I can't get take off that time. time kind of time and I know a lot of people have gone to speak at these and have spent their time doing it and there hasn't been a good return on it honestly there have been a few small changes but I agree with you 100% Lady J I feel like four or five of them I would fire them if I was in charge if I had firing power they'd be gone like Donald Trump you're fired mm -hmm. you're fired KO exactly. Doyle you're fired uh, Britt McBride you're fired uh, Steve Hoffman you're fired. What's her last name? The other last one? Jennifer Flanagan. You're gone, too. I, I would get rid of all four of them. And you know what? They're welcome here. They want to call in. They want to come on the show. They want to face the fire. Go ahead. But I don't think they will. And I will invite them because uh, that's fair. But I guarantee you they don't come in here. That's just the way I feel. And, and I want to be surprised. I want them to prove me wrong. 
I think how they how the commission even approaches legalization, um, at least when it comes to recreational, is all wrong. You know, they they they're trying to have the the operators who and that's my main focus are the the people who are already operating because there are a ton of them and this industry has already exists. You know, so you, you know I, my feeling is that we should not um, drop an industry on on the people who are already operating in it. So. If they try and create a commission or try and create a, a, a um, create the regulations in such a way that it that it attracts people, then they would have an easier time. Uh, however, that's not what they're doing. They're creating this, doing the, this, this yeah. the body cams and, yeah, the, and the ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like so it's they, so friggin' ridiculous. There is not there an are, industry in the world that can survive this body cam crap, especially mm -hmm. cannabis. Because if, if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're if uh, you're Johnny Depp or Brad Pitt or Governor Baker's son, you're not going to want to get a cannabis delivery or Jim Browdy <laughs> or who else can we name? Like, let's name some famous people around <laughs> here that might be embarrassed to get a cannabis delivery. No, it's not just that, though. That a lot of people aren't going to want to do that, though. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then the cost. And, and I'm not saying just that, but that is ridiculous, Grant. That is friggin' so ridiculous on its face. It is. Like, there is, you don't do that with pills, you don't do that with guns, you don't do that with, you know, I want to I bring focus on something else. Electricians. As we I, I want to just flip it on its head again. We, I, we are so used to the bullshit on the cannabis that I, I'm loving what Brianna Wu and Frank Wu are doing. Do you know about Brianna Wu and Frank Wu? Um, tell me. Uh, Brianna's running for Congress against Stephen Lynch. Stephen Lynch has been one of the big opponents of cannabis forever against us. Um, and she might beat him this time. Last time she did better than expected, and it really wasn't uh, a, a real strong campaign. She's kind of famous, uh, you know, for uh, Gamergate and, and just who she is, and she's really taking it serious this time, and she might beat him. And what they're doing right now is they're calling out the hypocrisy. In their town of, I believe it's Dedham, Massachusetts, they are not allowing cannabis shops to open. But open a gun shop right next to the, the, the schools, no problem. Oh. Yeah, and it. they're calling a protest to the gun shop because, mm -hmm. oh. you know, you could sell an AK-47. There's no community host agreement. There's no, uh, there's none of this bullshit. No there's no five meeting. commissioners to, to mm -hmm. the bribe. I mean, there's none of this. Mm. So what are we talking about here? I'm, I'm screaming now. I'm so <laughs> friggin' no, pissed off. But, like, seriously, what are we talking about? We're not allowing cannabis, but guns are okay in our, in, in our neighborhoods. Go ahead, Mike, Lady J. Mike, you want to talk about calling people out? I'm going to call out the mayor of my town right now. But mayor Bob Hudland, yes, the ex-senator who is the mayor of Weymouth. Oh, Bob Hedlund. I know him. Oh, Republican. yes, Bob. Good old Bob. Bobby. I know Bobby. So, Bob, Bobby is not um, on my happy list. He refuses to let any business that is marijuana-related in our town, but yet anybody who wants to open up a microbrewery, go for it. Right. And he'll probably go, go, in, he'll go have a beer there, take a picture, play his little guitar, and act like he's cool, Robert Hedlund. I'm the cool libertarian Republican that everyone likes, so I'm really nice. I was cool mm -hmm. on weed, but no, he's not cool he's on weed. He's not really me. nice. He took the freaking skate park away from the children. It's been years, and he's still not opened the new one yet. This guy is crazy. He takes things away from the youth. He opens up all these breweries, microbreweries, on every corner of the street now. So and the city. We can't even, I have no safe access to my medical marijuana. The city of Braintree. Is, no, the is, city is, of Weymouth. Oh, Weymouth. Yeah. Excuse me, I got confused. <laughs> the yeah. city of Weymouth is not allowing cannabis. 
Not at all. I cannot, oh, I cannot go anywhere in my town and get sued medical cannabis. And uh, it's Robert Hedlund, Mayor Robert Hedlund's against cannabis. Yep. Very interesting because he used to be a guy that said he was cool on cannabis when he was at the state house as a state mm. senator. No, mm. he cares more about his alcohol. Mm. Very interesting. Call him out. Seriously. I'm, I'm sure he's fine with uh, opening gun shops in Weymouth, too. I'm sure that he, he does no problem if they open a gun shop downtown Weymouth, right? Oh, we have we have one or two around, yes. Yeah, that's fine. But cannabis, yeah. cannabis is worse than guns. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the yeah. hypocrisy is, is uh, overwhelming sometimes. Thank you, Lady J. Thank you for getting Absolutely. me fired up. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank all right. you. Take okay. care. We're covering also. We're covering everywhere about cannabis. I had I got Grant to jump because I'm yelling into my microphone, <laughs> and the headphones are turned up high. They keep going up and down. You notice that? <laughs> oh, it's funny. Uh, we're having fun though. We're yeah. having a good time, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. It's getting hot. We should probably wrap it up. I think uh, we gotta go. But uh, well, I was actually gonna propose. I know that this goes back to a little bit of an earlier format, but um, could we uh, do a short? break and short second segment or are you running short on time no today? we're getting out of here we're doing one segment today well can we quickly then cover uh the cambridge uh yeah, hearing go, from this week go right ahead oh get into great, it great, great don't waste time go <laughs> well i didn't know what your schedule was i didn't want to impede go, so go. no so the cambridge hearing this inter- this week was really interesting it was actually on the same day as the uh cannabis control commission uh comments so uh, those of us who went to both had a fun day from 10 a.m. basically through 9 p.m. of uh, cannabis activism. Mm-hmm. But uh, the situation in Cambridge is actually really fascinating. So uh, right now, uh, each municipality in the state gets to license cannabis in uh, whatever way they want, basically, so long as they confined to some rules uh, that the state sets. And in Cambridge, there was this really innovative proposal from Councillor Zonderman and Councillor Siddiqui on the city council, which would have given a two-year exclusive exclusive period for recreational dispensary applications to economic empowerment and social equity applicants. Uh, Chauncey is actually one of those applicants, but uh, the programs are run on the state level. And if you qualified for them, Cambridge was going to let you get a two-year heads up. Now, people thought this was a great idea other than the three medical dispensaries that already exist in Cambridge because they wanted access during that two-year priority period, which entirely undermines the purpose of the period because they have access to such a large amount of capital. And they already have storefronts open. Exactly. And they already have product available. They already have employees. They have the whole infrastructure. They have everything set up. They've given contributions to all the city councilors. They know everyone in the city. They're ready to go. They will be first in line, if not for this two-year ban. They will get a two-year head start. Mm -hmm. And so they really wanted access during that two-year period. So they proposed a series of compromises uh, through Councillor Denise Simmons. The first compromise, uh, I believe, was about a million or two million dollars as a one-time payment for these uh, into a social equity fund. Uh, which any applicant in Cambridge would be allowed to apply for if they had social equity or economic empowerment standing. And then they came back with a second fund, which was closer to two or three million. And throughout this whole process, people kept saying, so you want to pay this two or three million, which, by the way, just one of these dispensaries next year alone is projected to make $90 million in revenue across their locations. So they want this special access to the period for two or three million. People say no. And so then, uh, this week, which was fascinating, this has been going on for about a month, they, there was actually a third compromise that they didn't even take part in. 
Councillor Zonderman and Siddiqui said, okay, you want uh, access during the priority period, your dispensaries? You have to give $5 million each, which would have been closer to 15 or $20 million mm -hmm. into the fund. So we all, uh, who, all those of us who were interested, uh, Joe Gilmore from MRCC was there, a lot of economic empowerment and social equity applicants were there, the dispensaries were there, listened to the Cambridge City Council talk about this proposal of $5 million from each dispensary. Well, come to find out, the city solicitor let the council know that night that such payments would not even be legal. Yeah. And so the only thing that the city solicitor said would be legal is the two-year period and it turns out they can set aside in perpetuity a percentage of their local tax revenue to fund the economic empowerment and social equity fund mm -hmm. so no decision was was, was reached uh, on uh, wednesday at the hearing but the proposal that the dispensaries wanted to go with through denise simmons basically got in entirely collapsed as the payments they were going to be make have been deemed to be illegal so it's been fascinating to watch these multi-million dollar corporate dispensaries fighting it out on this local level in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, it, it, the, the, the whole payment situation um, does scare me because, um, you know, that is the major complaint that we had some weeks ago um, and, uh, uh, at the hearing at the State House was that, you know, if, you know, these, these payments are, could be used as bidding wars also, you know, if you were starting out and getting your HCA, you know, how much are you going to pay? Are you gonna pay more into the social equity fund? You know, and then, you know, uh, it, who's to say that we, uh, as economic empowerments, even get off, off the ground within that two-year period? Um, because, as we can see, there are some some um, other hurdles. There are political hurdles that that the um, that the uh, city council might not even really want to admit to, because they, you know, say for instance in Boston, we're you know we're doing. I don't want to take it away from from Cambridge, but um, say for instance in Boston, um, you know, a lot of city councilors are are, are vocal uh, vocally supportive. However, you have to get the buy-in from the, the mayor. And so it, it's, you know, you don't know where you'll end up at the end of the day. So there'll just be a, a, a whole wad of money just sitting in the uh, social equity fund um, and just waiting for, for us to get off the ground. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so, um, so you know, um, I do worry that, that, um, that, you know, we as economic empowerment applicants just will not move forward if, if um, we don't have uh, that, that, that exclusivity period. And I think it, my personal opinion, it should be in, indefinite. You know, it should not be just two years. Until because they open. Yeah, until, because look until, at me how sitting here for You know, economic empowerment get open. That's the way it should be. It should be until they, in, they reach their mandate that's for right. inclusion. That's you right. know, that, use that language as opposed to giving And that's a, been a, suggested, a, too. That was, yeah. you know, you can hear a lot of that uh, testimony uh, from the Cambridge uh, Cannabis Economic Empowerment hearings um, on our Young Jerks uh, iTunes, mm -hmm. Stitcher, mm -hmm. our podcast, wherever you listen, you can check that out. Um, I also wanted to uh, mention a couple other stories. One came up this week. It's called Mass Cannon Turmoil. Uh, this Week in Weed uh, ran that little story about what's been going on at Mass Cannonomal and the resignation of uh, Samson Ricciupio, or Ricciupi, I don't even know how to say his last name, Samson, who is uh, part of um, the group that's holding the what the hell is this thing called? Uh, the, the Straight Pri Pride. Straight uh, Pride Parade. Yeah, yeah. And he's part of MassCan. He's on the board of directors. He was on the board of directors. He was a member of the organization MassCan Normal that holds the Boston Freedom Rally. And uh, some people quit the board. Some people have been upset about that. They've been uh, hitting up their sponsors. 
had nothing to do with myself, I, I might note. Um, and uh, he has recently resigned, and it was covered in the story. Uh, but the weird thing is that, I, I think it's just like insane, is that Mascan, uh, their press secretary, was defending basically Samson and, and, I don't know, this whole Proud Boy movement, it seemed like, which is just weird, strange. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised by this. Uh, I wasn't that surprised. I, I don't know if you guys want to comment on it. Um, I guess my last question on it would be is, you know, Samson has resigned from Mascan. Uh, Mascan would not kick him out, would not ask him to leave, apparently. Um, he's very controversial. Um, is he going to speak at the Freedom Rally? Are they going to invite him at the Freedom Rally uh, to speak? I think he might have spoken last year at it. Um, are they going to allow him to be a volunteer and work the Freedom Rally? I think those are good questions that the community should want answered. Um, you know, a lot of people want to look at me like I have a beef with Samson or I have a beef with Mascan or I have a beef with the right wing on this. No, it's, you know, for me, I used to care about Mascan. I worked on the organization uh, for over 10 years. And if Samson was uh, the head of Antifa, I would think that he shouldn't be part of Matt, like, a, you know, in a leadership role with Mascan. And I don't hate Antifa. I don't, like, rail against Antifa. I just think that it's too extreme for an organization like Mascan that is supposed to be about all the people and not just about one of the extremes. Yeah, and I think that no matter where you are on this, uh, what Samson is or is not, Mascan seems to think he's totally fine. Uh, optics mean a lot. And, and the way that people feel and that people don't feel welcome in your organization because of one member... I think you kind of have to question that, and that, that's my viewpoint, and I think I'm uh, allowed to have it, but I, I'm wondering what you guys think about it, because you're in the cannabis community, and I think you may be aware of this story. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know any of the individuals uh, personally, and, and, um, and so I don't know what's in their hearts, um, but the optics, again, um, they are, you have to be aware of that if you're serving a large tent of, of people, um, and that's what Mascan does. You know, um, they, you want to be welcoming and you don't want uh, the public face of, of Mascan looking a particular way. And so, um, you know, you don't want to, yeah, you know, so folks shouldn't take it personal if they say, hey, listen, you know, what you do on your, 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 um, your private time is affecting Mascan. You don't take it personal. You just have to step back, you know, and, and uh, recognize that, that it is affecting the, the organization as a whole. And, you know, no. I think it's lame, too, that Samson's whole attitude, i got to throw this out there, that he blames it on the media, the media twists him. It's a big conspiracy theory that people are after him. It's like, dude, be a stand-up dude. Like, I'll tell you what, like, N.A. Poe, people laugh at their ass off at all the shit he's gone through. Um, if something like that happened to him, he would joke the fur out of it. But he would admit, he'd be like, yeah, I'm controversial. <laughs> like, ha, ha, ha. Like, like, own it. Like, you're freaking controversial, dude. Like, this isn't a conspiracy. You go around uh, hosting events where your big win is if someone attacks you. I've never hosted an event where people are going to attack me. I've never had... If that was, if that was even a, a chance of happening, we would rethink the event. You always got to be aware that's of what the you public want. face. You that's always. what you want. You want people to be mad. I mean, uh, there's no other way to look at it. I don't know if you want to say anything about Grant or mention. I don't know if you want to stay silent. It's um, up to you. So I have... An interesting perspective on this, which is that, so I definitely agree that political extremism is 
dangerous. And I agree with you, Mike, that it doesn't matter where that political extremism comes from, whether it be left, right, center, purple, green, or otherwise. I also understand this notion of political neutrality for inclusive groups, but I think what it leads me to think about is the paradox of toleration. And so in a culture that wants to define itself by tolerance uh, of as many views as possible, what do we do with views that are intolerant? And how do we deal with those views? Do you really think that's going on here, though? Do I think that... Like, could you think that mass can't stands for that principle? Like, that they're, they're just going on tolerance. They're, that's what they're all about? I think that from what I was reading, ideally they look at themselves as politically neutral in that regard. Now, if he were using their organization to promote his views, I would say that their argument falls down, but I just, I never saw that happen. So it, I have no reason to not So let me ask you them. this question. Um, Mascan has apparently secretly banned myself from being invited or being a part of the organization. What did I do to get banned but SAMHSA's not banned. Like, how tolerant are they? Because no one has ever really been upset with me. Like, in terms of my free speech, there's no one talking about protesting me. There's no one, you know what I'm saying? Like, Other than your trolls. <laughs> I mean, like, what trolls? Like, seriously, like, who are they? Like, well, like, I've, I saw one Twitter fight you got into with some Kirk Minahan fan, but that guy doesn't seem even really relevant and worthy of consideration. So. <laughs> like, do, you, well, do you think that he's going to have uh, even two people show up? Exactly. Like, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, significant pushback. Like, LGBTQ, every single pride group in this city is pissed right now. At Mass Can Normal. Like, that's what I'm talking about real shit. Well, like, look, look have you ever seen where, like, the uh, ACLU or anybody, like, we, we cover a lot of controversial stuff and we've gone after people and we've, yeah, we've gotten some pushback, but has there ever been any serious group that has said, you know what, Crawford's so far out of the line, we're going to boycott, ban, ban. Mass Can's so full of shit, they won't even speak what I speak of. It's like, Animal House. It's like top secret, double secret probation. Like, that's what they pulled against me. And, and people want to talk about, like, when you bring up the fact about tolerance, that's a crock of shit. What Mascan is about is who is, who is, who is, who is uh, giving them the reach around. And because Samson does it the right way, they'll ignore all that other BS. And that's the truth. Well, it sounds like a lot of their board has an issue with it. And because but, I but, don't. But, I'm controversial with them, and I'm banned. Go ahead. But um, something that, that Grant uh, was saying earlier, like say, you know, look at how we look at the Cannabis Contro Control Commission. We want to know who, who they are, where they come from, and that's how we, we make a judgment of what is the, the, the output of, of, um, of uh, the Cannabis Control Commission. You know, he said, where they come from? Who, are they, who appointed them? You know, what did they study? What is their background? And the same thing with uh, Mascan. You know, you, you look at the board and you're going to make a judgment on who is on that board and say, that's what they're probably going to put out. It's going to be reflective of their policies. Exactly. And so you have to be careful on, uh, uh, you know, how you speak, who, you know, how you walk also. And when you're, when you're um, going to be appointed to one of these boards, you know, although it may be... And it's uh, not become about that. It's become about who 
that board for a long time now has been about who can help who get ahead. Mm. And it's a joke. There is no getting ahead. Mm. Like, it's the king of the little mountain. It's a, it, and now it's biting them in the butt. I mean, we, we warned them about this. A lot of us have warned them about it. They ignored it. Now it's in the globe. Mm. I wish I knew more about, about them, what, what they, they um, have done in the past. I, I, I'm, you know, I've been in the underground, so, so their, their work has been totally uh, you know, unknown to me. Yeah, um, a so, lot of people yeah. that uh, live outside of <laughs> certain areas, it's unknown to them. And that's mm-hmm. another common criticism we've had for years, which is, you know, they don't go to Roxbury. They don't go to Dorchester. Mm-hmm. They don't go to uh, Michigan. They don't go to anywhere besides Cambridge, Somerville, Waltham, so Needham. So you know what I mean? So, like, so now Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan is going to start coming to them. And as they come to them, how are they going to, what, 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 what is our, gonna, our first reaction away. to it? Like, yeah, this is you know? what I see all the time with that organization always is that they drive away the best, keep the worst. Mm. Well, now they have a lot of folks coming in so they can, they have a lot more to choose from. So, so now, that we, now that we've, now that I've totally uh, gone off and destroyed Masscan, we were trying to be a little bit subjective, mm. but I just, you know what, at this point, I'm just being honest. Like, honestly, like this is where we're at with them. This is growing pains also. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, you also have a lot more experience, um, Mike, and I think that you're absolutely entitled to your perspective, and, and that's part of what experience leads to. We, we shape our understanding of what these groups are. Personally, um, I don't have as long of a history with that group. Um, I think it to bring some objectivity, not to be gratuitously objective, but to bring some objectivity to it, they've been fighting for a long time. Uh, like yourself with each other well they've been they've been fighting for cannabis rights they they've they've was great and that's important and they do show up and and i know that there are these issues going on i want to give another example um i'm going to leave it this with mascan i'm I'm sorry to cut you off grant but we're we're like just about done i just want to leave it the last thing on mascan uh a friend of mine called me earlier that a few weeks ago and was like uh yeah i'm talking to someone at mascan i told him that they should be friends with you and that you're you know, better an ally than a, an enemy, and uh, they might want you to speak at the Freedom Rally if you can keep your mouth shut and all that. And I thought about it for a day, and I called them back or whatever and said, no effing away. I'm, I'm not speaking at your Freedom Rally. I don't want to speak at your Freedom Rally. And not only that, if you do want me to speak at their Freedom Rally, it's going to be, I figured it out, how much money I raised for them. It's going to be, what is that, one, <laughs> two, three, there. four, five, six. <laughs> it's a six-figure number, 100 grand, and a public apology. Otherwise, I'm not ever going to your Freedom Rally. And I know that's never going to happen. And that's why I, I throw it out there. Oh, we've got to talk privately about I have what's better, going on here. I you have, you have something you have some history. to do with my Saturdays. You have some history there. I've got to hear this story. So we'll leave it at that. Okay. I'll tell you how I really feel today. Oh, this geez. is our new studio, 617-702-2542. All right, a couple last things before we leave. Subscribe to us, uh, follow us, and especially review us on iTunes. Uh, we had a lot more planned. We're in a new studio in Somerville. Uh, you can see we're no holds barred. I'm not holding back on anything anymore. I'm saving it for the shows. As you can see, the live shows, most importantly. Uh, we do a lot of podcasting during the week. If you have any medical cannabis stories, any stories that need to be exposed, hit us up. we got a lot of pipeline, a lot more to bring to you. But if you want to support it, you can also support it, too, on uh, midnightmass.substack.com, as well as anchor.fm slash the young jerks. You can kick in a little money too if you'd like to monthly to keep us uh 
coming up with the new content. Um, I want to thank Chauncey Spencer. I want to thank Grant Smith. I want to thank uh, Tanya San, uh, Tanya Sanders, and uh, the Green Nurse Group, Sherry Tekas, for calling in earlier. Um, what else did I want to get to? Oh, Grant Smith gave us like a really good idea. Like we were talking about doing uh, for a while now since this new studio, we're talking about coming up with some kind of banner on the wall back here over here uh, for the young jerks. And we were just throwing it out there right now. Grant said, you know what, you know, just to pay for it, maybe you should throw some sponsors on the bottom of the banner. So if you want to sponsor our banner that we're going to be putting in the studio, and especially if you're a local, for cheap money, hit us up. Because we will, like, you know, if you're our friends and you want your logo on our show every week, and you want to help us pay for that banner, hit us up. You know how to do so. Uh, find me on Facebook, Twitter, at Mike Can Boston, or at The Young Jerks on Twitter. Hit us up and let us know, because we're looking for some new sponsors, local sponsors. You know, if you're a dispensary, obviously, we're going to charge you top dollar. <laughs> but if you're a little guy, or you're just an applicant trying to get in, or you're trying to get your name up there, we're definitely willing to uh, help out and, and, and throw your name on our, our new banner that we're going to get here. So hit us up, ASAP. And I also want to make one more important point before we go, uh, because it slipped my mind. Accessibility at cannabis control hearings. Uh, David Cabral, who is uh, deaf, made a very important point this week to the commission, which is that if they don't provide sign language interpreters, those who are deaf and hard of hearing cannot take part in our public political process. And so anyone interested in learning more about those accessibility concerns as to the CCC, don't hesitate to reach out. It's something we're going to hopefully keep an eye on going forward. Perfect. And keep the new phone number in your phone, 617-702-2542. It's a new number for next week. We want to get all the calls in. I know every time we get a new number, it takes a while for people to get it in the phone and start calling us. So do it right now, 617-702-2542. Put that in your phone. That's the Young Jerks phone number. All right. I want to thank again uh, Chauncey for coming in. Chauncey. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And good luck. What? We haven't even asked you too much about like your plans. Like, when do you expect to open your dispensary? Like, you're trying to open in Mattapan. Well, it's a big, what's it's the a, location? It, it, what's the product? It's a uh, uh, twelve. Um, excuse me, sixteen twenty-six Blue Hill Ave in uh, uh, Mattapan Square. Hopefully, um, as soon as we get our uh, HCA, we'll be moving. It'll probably take us about you know four to five months to to get everything rolling. And what's the name of the dispensary yeah. going to be? Well, we're going to call it the four twenty. The four twenty. The four twenty. Oh, I hope. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait to we check celebrate it out. the culture. We're not going to, uh, you know, make it turn into something called aqueous or yeah. whatever, you know, funny names like that that they do. No, cool. We're, I like the 420. Yeah, thank you. And so I'll, I will definitely look forward to checking that out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe four or five months? Four or five months? Well, no. As soon as we, four or five months from we get the uh, HCA. Okay. But, um, but, yeah. Depends on how fast Mayor Walsh moves on the agent. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get in his dreams and, and you know. <laughs> are you going to run, run into the buffer zone issue too, though? You are, aren't you? Um, we are. Uh, well, they may make it. They're going to have to make a choice between the three of us. Um, there's uh, um, ours and, and then there's another company. There are two other companies and, and uh, they're going to have to make a choice. But, you know, we, were, we believe that we'll be successful first to market, you know, and we're not a big uh, company and we're, we're not going to be a monopoly. We're just... You know, local folks trying to make it happen. I wish they would let you all open. I don't I, understand that, why not. We need well, more. Why well, not? We don't want big ones opening next door. You know I what know. I mean? We don't want the, want the huge ones to, to, to push us out. But if we can um, have another economic power ap applicant within the same area as us, you know, it, would be, it should be healthy for all of us. You know, because we're not going to have all the same products. Right? The city council needs to get off their butt and do something no. about that. Yeah. That's just mm -hmm. outrageous. Like, yeah. 
you know, if they want to do a half-mile buffer zone for the RMDs, fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, economic empowerment should be able and, and micro-grows and all those other ones should just be, they, they should have no buffer. Yeah. Yeah, as long as we're not in the cafeteria of a, of a school, then we should be right. fine. Right, exactly. <laughs> Don't some cities actually give exceptions to buffer rules for economic empowerment and yes, social Yes, I think Cambridge is doing that, uh, actually. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, some are very progressive. Um, Boston has that holdover from... from um, back when they were doing, when they had the uh, RMDs, and the, uh, I guess the uh, Department of Health was was uh, doing the, the regulations there. But um, thank you, know. you so much again, Chauncey Spencer, Grant Smith for coming in. Thank you. Thank you, Murphy, behind the board for sticking with us. Uh, this is a long show. I want to thank all our listeners and supporters keeping us going. We're the Young Jerks. We'll be back next Sunday, 5 p.m. We'll see you then. Also. Check us out on iTunes if you're not. If you're not following us there, you got to. You're missing a lot of content. And if you don't know how to find us, just go Young Jerks, The Young Jerks, iTunes. It will pop right up on Google. Find us. And review. See you later. 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 Every day, their life's here to help you live a higher quality of life. The massive product selection at their Wareham dispensary features superior quality flour, vapes, edibles, and more, all derived from locally sourced growers. Experience unparalleled customer service from experts whose knowledge will help you become smarter about your options. Located 10 minutes from the Bourne Bridge, make Verilife Wareham your last stop on the way to the Cape. Reserve an order through Leafly, and you'll be on your way in no time. Open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. The good vibes start at Verilife.